on International Transgender Day of Visibility. President Joe Biden said to everyone celebrating that, quote, our entire administration sees you for who you are, made in the image of God and deserving of dignity, respect, and support. The president was, in, was evoking Genesis 127, where it says that we are made in the image of God. He left off the part where it said, both male and female, he created them. This was after the White House flagged a resource from the Office of the Assistant Secretary for Health, highlighting the importance of gender-affirming care for young people across the country. What is gender-affirming care? What's the aim of this push from the current administration? We'll talk about all of that, and we'll wade into the waters here on this edition of the fastest-growing conservative podcast in the state of South Carolina, the Palmetto Family Matters Podcast. I am Justin Hall, Mitch Prosser is to my left. This is a difficult topic, and we talked about this over the weekend heading into the week, and I said I wanted to talk about this because it's it, it's something that is is important, but I also want to make sure I under that we understand that this is not coming from a from a feeling of superiority. It's not coming from a feeling of condemnation. It, it, it it's simply understanding what's going on in our society, Mitch. We're seeing a full-fledged push. Uh, you're all aware of what's going on with Disney right now. You're aware of what's going on down in Florida. The dominoes are beginning to fall. And Mitch, I feel like the culture at large has turned its sights, has set its eyes on children and young people. And that is a very scary proposition and one that we need to talk about. There's no doubt about it, Justin. As we look at what's happening in the cultural shift, or at least the perceived cultural shift, there's no doubt that the indoctrination of young people is uh, happening. It's uh, obviously a tactic from those who are promoting this lifestyle and this gender-affirming care for young people. It's obvious that that's what's happening. The concern is is the indoctrination, especially in the middle of our uh, public schools and those kinds of places, and and. There's no doubt that uh, that's happening in our schools right now. Of course, those that are uh, pushing this and peddling these notions would most likely say that it's not happening. Um, But I think for the most part, it's out in the open, it's obvious, and even those that are doing it are unashamedly doing it. But where we're seeing it also, and, and it's very clear, Justin, you just mentioned Disney, is the entertainment industry has now signed signed on to this by and large, and in not to go back to Goebbels in Germany in the 1930s and 40s, uh, because I, I don't want to go in that direction. But I will say that the indoctrination uh, of what's happening in America today mimics a lot of what was happening and what has happened in different cultures throughout time. You know, we could talk about uh, the way entertainment uh, speaks into the minds and hearts of people. And, and so uh, there's this question, does the entertainment industry reflect America or does it um, drive it? Does it drive it? And I think the answer is yes. Yeah. Uh, it's the tail wagging the dog, the dog wagging the tail, and both are happening. So, Justin, there's no doubt that this is happening, and there's no doubt that those who are pushing this agenda are influencing the minds of our young people and taking advantage of their impressionable minds. Of course, we know the cerebral cortex and the frontal lobe and other parts of the brain aren't fully developed until 25 years old. Right. And so the more influence you can have the earlier on in a human being's life, the more moldable, the more malleable that mind is. And the more control, the more influence, the more leadership you can have 
on that mind. This is this is a topic that is that it, I mean we we call it a touchy subject for people. We say the same thing about abortion and pro life issues, um, but it's it's something that needs to be discussed. Gender dysphoria. Someone who's suffering from gender dysphoria, and I'm using a common term here, uh, clinically significant distress that a person may feel when sex or gender assigned at birth is not the same as their identity. That's the term here used. Gender dysphoria has long been categorized as a mental disorder, one that you need to get clinical help for. Yes. Um, and I will never uh, put us under somebody who's dealing with that. That is that is something I've never dealt with. I've never understood how someone can deal with that. And so I'm not in a position where I can say, yes, you you shouldn't feel this way or you should. That's somebody who's really got it, got some significant uh, mental issues, according, by the way, to the science that we follow in the country. But this idea of gender-affirming care, and, and this is from the Office of Population Affairs. I have this on the paper. This is This is what was flagged by the White House last week. Gender-affirming care is a supportive form of health care. It consists of an array of services that may include medical, surgical, mental health, and non-medical services for transgender and non-binary people. For transgender and non-binary children and adolescents, early early gender-affirming care, keep that in mind, early, is crucial to overall health and well-being as it allows the child or adolescent to focus on social transitions and can increase their confidence while navigating the healthcare system. This article posits that uh, transgender youth have a more difficult time getting the care they need, both in mental and physical health services. Now, there are four types of gender-affirming care that they list here. Again, we'll give you the link to this in the, in the description. Social affirmation. It is adopting gender-affirming hairstyles, clothing, name, gender pronouns, and restrooms, and other facilities. When is that social affirmation used? It can be used at any age or stage, and they categorize it as reversible. Um, Puberty blockers. Using certain types of hormones to pause pubertal development, so it stops puberty. They say it's used during puberty. Now, I just want to point out that the most significant way that a puberty blocker can work is if it's used before puberty. Just want to keep that in mind. And they say that this is reversible. Hormone therapy. Testosterone hormones for those who were assigned female at birth. Again, these terms are important. We need to understand what they are. We don't have to abide by them necessarily because I feel like it's changing the language. Assigned female at birth. Um, And then estrogen for hormones for those who were born male. Uh, They say this is used in early adolescence onward. And it's partially reversible, according to the article. And then gender-affirming surgeries. Uh, I won't get into the the details of this because I don't feel like this is the time nor the place to do so. If you want to have a private conversation about how I feel that these are absolutely destructive, I can have that conversation. Justin at palmettofamily.org. Happy to email him. Happy to email. We can can converse. We can talk. (laughs) Top surgery creates a male-typical chest or a more female chest based on the transition. Bottom surgery is surgery on the genitals or the reproductive organs. Again, we're talking surgery. Uh, What the surgery does says more to it than just the word surgery. You can also have facial feminization. They can shave down the Adam's apple, things of that sort. This is typically used, they say, in adulthood or in case-by-case adolescent cases and it is not reversible it is not reversible if if a female wants to be a male and she chooses to have surgery on her chest that cannot be reversed i mean it could they could have surgery again later but the detriment to this person 
is significant. Now, the, now, now the position of the White House, the position of the White House is that we need to do this to children to protect children in the same way that we need to talk to K-5 through third graders across the country in classrooms about what their teacher's personal life is like or what their teacher did with their spouse, no matter whether that spouse is of the same gender or not. It's important for the five-year-old to know what was going on. It's important for the five-year-old and the six-year-old to understand this. This is where we're at in society. It's important for the five-year-old and the six-year-old to understand what what marriages, which should not be discussed in the public school setting. It should be discussed in the home. Parents should have a control over that. Uh, we have to discuss what sex is. We have to discuss what sexual orientation is, what it means to be gay, what it means to think that you're a boy and not a girl. Listen, five-year-olds are very easily influenced. Yes. Very easily. If you're around a five-year-old and you say, you know, I need to get a new Easter dress, and the boy who is four or five says, I want an Easter dress too, he doesn't know what that means. He does not know what that means. So then you say, no, no, you get a shirt and and a tie and some slacks. And he goes, okay, that sounds great. But in the push of the culture right now, we are saying that children who are five or six years old who say that, obviously that means they are questioning their gender. And because of that, according to this article, it is okay for us to adopt gender-affirming hairstyles, clothing, name, pronouns, restrooms, or other facilities. And we can also begin hormone therapy by the time they're nine? Mm. Or puberty blockers before they hit puberty. The point of this, Mitch, is, and I know I, know I went on it. I know. <laughs> the point I have in this is, while there are serious issues when it comes to gender dysphoria, and they, those issues yeah. need to be addressed, and those people need the care they need. Absolutely. However, we have to draw the line somewhere. Right. Where, where is the line? Now, my argument in this is we need to look at the population as a whole, determine the best policies to put forward for the population as a whole, not menial serving to maybe a percent or two percent of the population. So what you just described a moment ago, and, and there's a table for this. There's a chart for it uh, on this uh, this uh, article and what the White House pointed out. It appears to me as if it's a funnel and, and really or a path moving forward for those that are working with this idea or struggling with this idea of gender dysphoria, which would lead to transgenderism. Correct. So there's got to be a moment where a child or a young adult or a human being of some sort, Mm -hmm. a boy or a girl, enters into this path. Now, I want to take a step backwards for just a moment, or maybe earlier in that adolescent's life, and I want to say something that might sound contrary to everything that you hear today and may even sound contrary to some of the things that you were taught. It is perfectly normal for a young lady to go hunting with her father. It is perfectly normal for her to play baseball with a bunch of little boys. It is perfectly normal for a young boy to bake in the kitchen with his mother. And it is perfect- I love baking. <laughs> I like eating baked goods, uh, as you can tell. And it is perfectly normal, and, and this may sound a little crazy. Uh, I had two sisters growing up. They had Barbie dolls. I will not cop to. I will neither confirm nor de- <laughs> deny that I ever play with dolls. But it is perfectly normal for a little boy to play house or dress up or anything like that with those dolls, whether they're Barbies or, or 
in the little dollhouse or whatever. That's normal. That's part of what makes a, a, a child a well-rounded human being. Now, when we take that idea of a little girl being a tomboy because she likes to play baseball or beat up boys or something like that, or because a little boy wants to bake with his mother, and we say, now you are struggling with gender dysphoria, I think that's false attribution. Sure. I think that what we're doing is creating a path for a child that does not exist. So just because Johnny says, I, I, I like baking, or just because Susie says, I like shooting deer or going hunting with my dad, that or, or with my mom, because I, I, I know some, my I've got family members who are great hunters that are female. Mm-hmm. No matter the case, I think what we're doing here is false attribution of this idea of gender dysphoria. There are people, according to Pew Research and other groups, 0.6% of Americans, 0.6%. That's not even 1%. And by the way, there are 330 million Americans. I'm no math genius, but that means 1% of Americans is 3.3 million. I'm not going to do the math to go down to how low. About 1.4. So just over half a percentage of Americans struggle with transgenderism. Just because Johnny wants to bake or Susie wants to play baseball does not mean that they're struggling with transgenderism or that they are suffering from gender dysphoria, which is a clinical definition of a distress or some would even call it a social disorder. That's not what this is. So we need to back up, and before we start doing gender-affirming therapy or care for young people, where we start delaying or or crushing prepubescent children and and the natural process where their hormones trigger puberty, Mm -hmm. before we do that, before we even talk about whether or not they should have gender reassignment, Mm -hmm. we should pause and consider whether even some of these most Innocent or harmless life skills or, or life phases are normal. And then say, just because Johnny wants to do this or Susie wants to do that does not necessarily mean that they are going to be a transgender person. Well, there and, and again, we're, we're talking about children here. And I want to make sure this is not a red herring. No. This is not... This is not us walking into the office on a Monday saying, what can we talk <laughs> about today? This started, uh, again, we have to think back here. Let, let's, let's run a little mind exercise for us. If you've been following the Palmetto Family Matters podcast since its inception back in August of 2021, wow, closing in on a year, yeah. um, we began by discussing critical race theory, what it is, why it matters, what the Bible says about it, and what you can do about it. It's a four-step process. We started there, and we had plenty of discussions, including with Pastor Tony Foster uh, from Greenwood, South Carolina, talking about what critical race theory is doing in the schools and in the church. Um, Then the Virginia gubernatorial election happened, where the uh, Republican candidate decided to run on cultural issues. Wow, what what an amazing concept that is. And he snatched victory. Uh, from the jaws of defeat by <laughs> yeah. by making sure that people understood what was happening in their classrooms. But all throughout that, and we played several clips on the podcast for you, we were told tra- uh, critical race theory is not being taught in schools. Mm-hmm. Second of all, it's not real. And if it is being taught, it's a good thing. That's three separate thesis statements in one. It's not being taught. It's 
It's it's not real, but if it is being taught, it's a good thing and it should be taught. Those are three separate categories. Now, the same thing's happening here. This starts, really, the impetus of this discussion over the last month or two has come from the state of Florida, yes. where um, they, they had a, a, a House bill moves to a Senate bill. It was, it was um, it's House Bill 1557, I believe is the number. I'm not going to use the other name for it because it's a ridiculous characterization of the it's bill. It's a parental bill of rights. It's a parental bill of rights edu- uh, legislation. And, and subsection 3, line number 97 says, classroom instruction by school personnel or third parties on sexual orientation or gender identity may not occur in kindergarten through third grade or in a manner that is not age appropriate or developmentally appropriate for students in according with state standards. In accordance with state standards, these things cannot be taught K-5 through 3rd. Now, what's interesting is this is now allowed for a for a very vocal group of uh, people, both in Hollywood and in the White House and other places, that have said, well, this is a good thing. Well, it's not happening, though. It's not happening. But if it is, it's a good thing. And that's why the president says that we know it's hard when there are those out there who don't see you, don't respect you, For example, the onslaught of anti-transgender state laws attacking you and your families is simply wrong. And he probably said simply wrong again because that's what he does. Come on, man. Come on, man. And I don't want to be tongue-in-cheek here, but understand, we now have two separate sides of the coin here. One that says it's okay to teach young children, kindergarten through third grade. I have eight nieces and nephews, eight of them. The oldest one... Had a birthday today. Had a birthday. The oldest of them did. Why Why would I think it's okay for my youngest nieces and nephews to learn about these things? Like, it, it's not, okay? And we've got two separate sides of a, of a debate, of an issue, that are saying, yes, it's okay for the, the third grader or the first grader to be taught about gender transitioning and, and alternative lifestyles. Now, the big L libertarian would say, well, to each their own. Sure. But this is not something that needs to be taught to children. It's not something that needs to be discussed with children. No. And if it is discussed with children, it shouldn't be done in the public school in the tax paradigm. It should be done at home. If you want, if you want to talk about home, by the way, Control F. If you look up this legislation, Control F. <laughs> you figured out. What I, I was, I was figuring out what you were doing. I'm watching you type. Uh, you can do the Control F, which is the find uh, application, and if you type in the word "gay," those three letters, because this is the nay say to gay, don't say gay. Yeah, don't bill. say don't say gay bill. The word "gay" does not appear in the bill. Not anywhere. Now you it's might go, there. okay, well that makes sense, right? It does because this is not what it's talking about. What it's talking about is anything that is not in accordance with state standards. No one in kindergarten through third grade should be instructed about sexual orientation or gender identity that is not appropriate or age appropriate or developmentally appropriate. And mind you, my dear friends, none of this is appropriate for anybody under the age of 10. I would even go further than that, uh, but it's certainly not for anybody under the age of 10. Now, the president was referring to to the Florida Parental Bill of Rights, but now you've got Disney on board with with this um, which I'm not going to get into you should boycott places. I'm, I'm not, you know, whatever. You do whatever you want to do with your own money and your own time. What I'm saying is we have now reached a precipice in time. The White House is flagging and supporting these measures. Yeah. These measures for children. You have a president who's completely okay with it. 
gender-affirming care, changing the very trajectory of a person's life before they reach the age of 9 or 10. Yeah, absolutely. By completely altering who they are. And I'm sorry, that I'm not just talking about the surgery because you're going to say, well, the surgeries don't have it. When you stop puberty... When you inject hormones into a person's body, listen, if you're a female out there, you have testosterone in your body. If you're a male, we have estrogen. It's just levels, right? I'm no biologist, but I know that. The Trevor Project's 2021 survey on LGBTQ LGBTQ youth mental health, about 52% of the LGBTQ youth seriously considered attempting suicide in the past year. 52%. That is easily quadrupling the normal rate of suicidality. Why? I think instead of feeding into an issue, instead of feeding into these, these, I don't want to say delusions and it be taken a wrong way, feeding into these ideas, it's only going to increase. The number of people, the number of stories of people who are now detransitioning is startling. I've watched at least two of them in the last week. Because I want to understand what's going on in their brains, Mitch. Mm -hmm. What are you thinking at the time? What are you thinking since then? And I feel like we have to be very careful. We're we're talking about, this this is a podcast that talks about having a biblical worldview. The biblical worldview is very simple. In the beginning, God created them man and woman. In the image of God. Period. Period. Mm-hmm. Throughout the Old Testament, you will find Levitical law that that addresses this. Yeah. It addresses this. Because <laughs> God knows. And he understands that with human nature, listen, people with power. And sin going along with it can create some very destructive policies and destructive habits. The fact is, the church, the big C church, as Dave would say, we have to start standing up, and it's not going to be popular, but we have to start standing up and defending the natural order of creation. We have to. And these practices will damage not just individuals. These kind of practices can damage an entire country. Yeah. They will you go far enough in this, your country will cease to exist. I think it's important to to use the president's words here. And he says something that I, I, I firmly believe in. And I will agree with him to the level that he is right and, and disagree with him once he crosses over the, the border of being wrong. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important for us to understand that all of us are made in the image of God. We have the fingerprint of our creator on us. Yes. You just mentioned that. And the president does use Genesis 1.27 where he tells us that we are made in God's image. Of course, as you pointed out, he disincludes or excludes the part where the Bible explicitly tells us that we are made either male or female. One, two. Okay. Just making sure that there are You can also, by the way, you can, I can't, can't pass this up. You can get a, there are more than two genders t-shirt on Amazon right now, but you have to pick if you're doing a male size or a female size. Okay. Um, (laughs) So the president says he wants all those on uh, gender or transgender 
a day of visibility to know that the president, the entire administration sees you for who you are, made in the image of God. Now, I want to take a time out and go right back to what you were saying just a moment ago about suicidality being so high. Now, let me take a time out from that and say this is a really big deal. It's mm-hmm. very serious, and we yes. ought to treat it that way. Yes. All of us. In, yes. And it shouldn't just be a statistic that we uh, that we bring up when we're talking about bullying or anything like right. that. If I am made in the image of my creator and made as male or female, and I am struggling with gender dysphoria, whether or not I am one of those, in between those, something out here, if I'm cis or trans or whatever, could it possibly be that because I am willfully or have been told that it's okay to deny the image of God, the imprint of who he made me to be, and the natural law thereof, because I am denying that and I do not say these words lightly, lying to myself, Mm. or have believed a lie told to me that I can be other, check the box for other. That is possibly, I'm not saying it is solely the reason, but it's very possible that that is one of the reasons why we see so many transgender youth or those that are struggling with gender dysphoria who are struggling with this idea of whether or not they should even exist. Remember, Identity is key in a child or a a human being, an adult, thriving. We must understand who we are. Can I tell you, if you're struggling right now with your identity, who you are, can I tell you, you are made in the image of God, your Mm -hmm. creator. He created you male or female, male or female. Let me say that one more time. Male or female. He wants you to thrive. If we're going to thrive, identity is key. Purpose is key. Who we are in Him matters so much. It does, and 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 again, God created it. God created the world for for human flourishing. We were made to renounce the yes. glory of God. And simply put, I'm going to put on the extreme biblical worldview here for a second, <laughs> if there is such a thing. The simple fact is, if the enemy wants to discredit the very God for whom he was created to worship, the easiest way for him to do that is to take apart and dismantle the very thing that was created in God's image. Now, Paul in Romans 8 says this, and we know that all things work together for the, for the good of those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. 29. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he, Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, he called. Whom he called, he also justified. And whom he justified, he also glorified. The point is, as we try to wrap this up, because it's a very hard topic, but I think, I don't know if many people are aware of what's going on when it comes to this. And and again, Justin at palmettofamily.org, if you want me to send you some more information about some of these stories. The main takeaway you are made in the image of God. Every single one of us is, including those who are questioning who they are, those who have gone through these surgeries. I'm not saying, by the way, I just want to make a point. Grace runs deeper than anything. Absolutely. So anybody who has been through these things, I'm I'm not okay with the White House and the presidential administration, which drives the narrative of the country and pretty much the entire free world, saying that these things are okay because they're not okay. 
But if you've if you've experienced any of these things, if you've had any of these things take place in your life or someone you know's life, man, I we want to be here for you. Yeah. Um, I, I want you to know that that the Lord loves you. Yeah. And and He wants what's best for you, and what's best for you is more of Him. He wants the best for you. He's called you into something deeper. He's called you into something more, something true, something real, something authentic. And and unfortunately, I I I shudder at what this administration and those in the thought leading community are leading us toward. And I feel it's very, 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 very important that we understand these issues, that we understand what these people are saying, that we then go and understand what the Bible is saying about it. And we've talked about why it matters. We've, we've handled that today. It matters. These are, these, are, these are five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten-year-olds. Like I want you to think back to when you were eight. And then what can we do about it? We have to stand in the gap. We have to stand for what is the very... If we as a society cannot agree on what a man is, on what a woman is, on what gender is, and what its role is in our lives, we can't communicate. We won't get anything done. We won't be able to move forward. We won't be able to work together to create a flourishing nation, and we will not last. Period. Because if we can't, communicate, we can't agree, Mitch, on the basic, the very basic male-female dichotomy. Mm-hmm. This whole thing's not going to go well. Truth is truth. Mm-hmm. And it's important for us to understand that while uh, many have feelings about these things... Um, and feelings are good, but the they're feeling, not the most important thing. The truth is paramount. Yep. It is key. And the truth of God's Word and, and God's truth, all truth is God's truth, mm-hmm. the truth as... Uh, as a society, we have to embrace that truth. Yep. And if we embrace the lies that Satan and the forces of evil continually thrust upon us, then it will be the devastation of all that we hold dear. It will. So what you can do, continue to speak truth, continue to be the salt and light that God has called us to be, be his hands and his feet, sharing his light and his love. The world is dark. The world needs love, mm-hmm. but truth and love are married together. Yep. So as you listen to this, I know that you're thinking about someone out there right now that needs the love that only Christ can provide, that needs the truth and the love that only Christ provides. So I, I encourage you to reach out to that person. Begin praying about how you can reach out to that person and care for that person as only Jesus can do. Heavy subject, but we want to thank you for joining us for this edition, the first edition this week of the Palmetto Family Matters podcast. We'll be back for our regular scheduled programming the rest of the week. Uh, You can follow along with us. Download the Palmetto Family Council app. We are less than a week away from crossover. The Senate and the House are trying to get some stuff done when it comes to saving women's sports, among other things. Uh, So follow along with us on the Palmetto Family Council app. On the app, you can... uh, Use a ton of resources, including the Inside the State House feature, which will get you connected to your representative and to your senator so you can let them know where you stand on the issues and why they matter to you and why they should matter to your senator 
or your representative. You can also go to our website, palmettofamily.org, brand new website, state-of-the-art website. Looks great. It's very easy to use. We encourage you to do that. There you can read our work. We'll have something coming out on this stuff uh, later this week for sure. And then, of course, later in the week, we will be back here on the Palmetto Family Matters podcast talking about the current events going on this week, both in the State House and across the country. Also, if you noticed last week, we had Representative William Timmons on. Back in the fall, we had Representative Ralph Norman on. We are working on getting every single congressman from the state of South Carolina on this podcast so they can talk to us and to you about what's going on in Washington and what they're doing to further your values in the nation's capital and continuing to push forward on legislation that will benefit South Carolinians for the good. So stay tuned for those interviews as they come. For Mitch Prosser, I'm Justin Hall. For everyone at Palmetto Family Council, thank you for watching and listening to the fastest growing conservative podcast in the state of South Carolina, the Palmetto Family Matters Podcast.